My name is Dr. Nate Shannock. And my name is Merrick Egber. This is the official podcast of the Els for Autism Foundation for Autism. We call our podcast this because it's a play on our foundation's name. And Merrick and I are both terrible golfers. But we love how golf has become such a transformative tool to helping people with autism. When I'm not a part of the podcast, I'm part of our growing research team. And when I'm not part of the podcast, I'm the communications specialist, which is why you are hearing me right now. I'm also the autistic. This is our 35th episode of the podcast, Keeping Your Health in Check with Dr. Kimberly Raviccio and Doreen Camerata, who are our licensed mental health counselors and co-facilitators of our support groups. So make sure to stay tuned for their interviews on part A of the podcast. Also on part A is our foundation news and updates where you will learn more about what we have been doing as a foundation, what we are doing, and what we will be doing. What we hope to do is to present news and updates about our foundation, interviews or feature stories that play a big role with us and with the community as a whole. Speaking of which, for part B, listeners will get to hear our Today in the World of Autism segment, where we posit the news and current events reflective of the world we live in today. Also, check our show notes for websites, resources, and other groovy things we would like to have on the written record for all you four autism fans. And now today in the world of autism, starting with Dr. Nate Shinnok and his fantastic research-oriented story. I'll tell you what, Merrick, fantastic is an understatement for the stories we have for you all today. First of all, there's converging evidence to support the importance of a gut-brain axis, which links the health of the gastrointestinal tract with emotional and even cognitive functioning. The gut microbiome is made up of the trillions of microorganisms and their genetic material that live in our intestinal tract. A healthy gut microbiome is involved in overall health and well-being in humans as well as other mammalian species, and it has been shown to affect metabolism, nutrition, physiology, and immune function. In contrast, when there's imbalance in the gut microbiota, otherwise known as dysbiosis, this has been linked with various gastrointestinal conditions like inflammatory bowel disease, neurodegenerative conditions like Alzheimer's, as well as depression, anxiety, and intensification of autism symptoms. The practice of meditation can come in many different forms, but generally involves a combination of focused attention to a physiological process, such as breathing or one's heart rate, mixed with mind wandering or allowing thoughts to simply enter the mind without judgment or concern. There's overwhelming evidence for the efficacy of meditation in improving symptoms of depression and anxiety, and also reducing markers of inflammation in the body. In an attempt to find out whether meditation can influence the gut microbiome, researchers based at the Shanghai Medical Health Center in Shanghai, China, collected fecal and blood samples from 37 Tibetan Buddhist monks from three different temples and compared these samples with samples collected from 19 secular residents in areas surrounding the temples. 
The monks in the study had been practicing meditation for approximately two hours daily. So it would be safe to qualify them as experts. Once the fecal samples were analyzed for genetic material from microbes, the researchers found significant differences in the diversity and the volume of various microbes in the guts of the monks when compared to their non-monkeyan uh, neighbors. Definitely not the right terminology. Bacteroides, Prevotella, Megamonas, and fake Cali bacterium. Can, can you uh, have that as a word for a spelling bee? A very advanced spelling bee. I can hardly pronunciate it, let alone spell it. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, a great idea. So these four microbes, which are written in our show notes. So please check those out. They were all more prevalent in the meditation group. And these have been linked with a lower risk of mental health conditions. Increased prevalence of these bacteria have also been linked with lower inflammation and better metabolic functioning. Two key mechanisms not only involved with mental illness, but also a variety of physical illnesses, including diabetes and Alzheimer's disease. So all in all, this study highlights the tremendous potential of meditation, not only for physical, not only for mental health, but also physical health. And Merrick, what are your takeaways from this story? Do you have some wisdom for us? Well, it's very, very interesting because when I generally think of meditation, it's spiritual and it's also, uh, you know, it helps mental health but I didn't realize that it has to do with also the uh, gastronomical system in the body. So it's basically, you know, um, that that's, that's one of the things because it's linked to mental health, it's linked to spiritual health, and it's also in this story linked to physical health too. So it's, it's an all one purpose. Um, I haven't really done that much meditation, but if, if it basically has three different, uh, ways of improving the body's health, then maybe I should, uh, do more meditation because it's, uh, you know, it, it can not only save one's life from uh, having a very, very depressive episode, probably, but it can also help save one's life when it comes to uh, physical healing, too. And so um, I think that what uh, Doreen Camarada has said uh in part a of the podcast is very very important and should be uh understood i'm not sure if i can meditate for two hours but um probably 10 minutes 15 minutes maybe 
it would be an improvement over anything else, probably. Absolutely. The way that I see meditation is it's kind of like physical exercise and even just doing 10 to 15 minutes a day can be tremendously helpful. And there are studies showing that even these short duration meditation practices can have, can approximate these types of benefits that were spoken about in this study. And I want to also share with our listeners that when I was young, when I was growing up, I had a really difficult time sitting still and a difficult time meditating. And I've learned over the years some practices that have helped me immensely to, to deal with the inevitable stress of life. And I know that we all, we all have stress and a couple really easy exercises that people could try to do would be first of all, box breathing, which is just inhaling, holding the breath, exhaling, and holding again for about two seconds. And there's something about actively focusing on your breath that gives you a sense of, of conscious control over the physiology of your body. So if things seem like they're moving too quickly, or even if you're on the verge of a, of a panic attack, drawing some focus to your breath, whether it's box breathing or another technique would be the, the deep breath and squeeze, the bear breathing. Okay, so you just inhale deep and then squeeze as hard as you can for a couple seconds and then just let it all out. Um, another breathing exercise I love is called Wim Hof breathing, which includes some deep breathing as well as breath holds. So there's just so many different exercises out there. And I encourage, you know, everybody to try different exercises, because if you say that meditation is not for me and, you know, I just can't sit still for that long, chances are there's probably an exercise out there that you would really enjoy. And maybe you just haven't discovered it yet. And to me, um, even breathing, even taking deep breaths, if you concentrate on breathing, like uh, two or three years ago, I, uh, whenever I would feel stressed or anxious, I would take a deep breath or I would basically breathe in, breathe out. I would, I would refocus myself so that it, so that I can maybe release a little bit of that stress and anxiety. So every little bit helps. Yeah, that's so well said. And there's just one more breath that I want to tell our listeners about. It's called the physiological sigh. And so this one would involve a double inhale. So followed by exhale. And I don't know if you've ever watched your dog sleeping or, you know, your dog in some kind of stressful situation, but this is something that, that they often do to relax or to regulate stress. And it can really turn, it can really help turn off some of the fear centers of the brain quickly. 
if you do this double inhale followed by an exhale. I could talk about this stuff all day, so I'm going to stop now. And I'm going to hand it over to you, Merrick, for your story. Okay. So because um, I'm doing a story of one of my interests. So uh, last month, it was video games. This month, it's about music. And March, it would be about movies. So my story is called music as a health and well as a health and well-being tool music can kind of be my life i believe that it works in ways essential for health and well-being music can make me glad when i'm sad it isn't that bad it can make me go quick with its slick riffs it can empower me so when writing lyrics writing about my depression being proud is a go-go it's essential for long car rides plane rides besides it is top supplied my favorite band are the Beatles, filled me with purpose and meaning, not on a fence in my leaning. They made me feel their power. Rubber Soul and Abbey Road are the hours. The 60s blew me away. The 70s did too, I gotta say. You exercise with music, walk with music, bathe with music, eat with music, call with music. It's all about music. Sometimes I sing too to carry away my blues. So let me get to the first question. Nate, how does music help wealth and help help? How does music help health and well-being? Yeah, well, you could make the argument that for the Beatles, music probably helped wealth to some degree. But uh, in in terms of health, you know, first of all, Merrick um, has a lot of great lyrics. Um, you know, he's written. He's written dozens of songs and, and poems. And so, you know, I know Merrick that, that writing these lyrics is beneficial to you and it's a liberating experience. And, you know, I also think that just reading these types of poetic lyrics, I think they're good for the soul. And of course, psychological well-being. Um, you know, it turns on creativity and sort of turns turns off the part of us that's you know running around and working all day and it allows us just to engage in some more reflecting which is really healthy listening to music from a broader standpoint it's pretty incredible how much music can actually influence our moods and i know of a lot of studies that have played positive rock and roll music um, and actually found that it can reduce symptoms of depression and anxiety pretty immediately. And they've done some brain activity studies as well, where they actually show that some of the, the traits that link to depression um, can, be, can be reduced in the brain just by playing this type of music. One of the more interesting avenues for the utility of music is using it to help individuals with cognitive decline or neurodegeneration. There's something about listening to music that seems to stimulate the temporal lobes. And this is a critical area for auditory processing. So it makes sense. But also within this area, 
is a part of the brain called the hippocampus that's extremely important for memory. And so there's some research now to show that if you can help, you know, activate the temporal lobes more with music, then you can also help to improve memory functioning, you know, because of the, the overlap in functioning within that area. So, you know, on a more basic level, music is, is awesome. I listen to music every day and it helps me so much. Um, and then even now looking at things from a more uh, research-based perspective, there's a lot of incredible findings coming out about the importance of listening to music for, for brain health. Okay, speaking of which, what are you currently listening to right now? <laughs> Good question. Let me look at my playlist. And also, on the next episode, you should basically share with us your album. What songs would you basically have to define yourself as we listen to in part a that's a great idea i think we should both come up with a, our greatest hits album of maybe seven songs so the last couple of days i've been listening to a mix of the album temple of the dog by the band temple of the dog it was recommended to me by a patient and I think it's a magnificent album. It's a nineties record and it's a lot more upbeat um, than a lot of music that was coming out around that time. It's kind of, that band is a hybrid between Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. If any of you are fans of those bands and Let's see, aside from that, I'm listening to a, an Australian band. This is a new band called Gang of Youths. Okay, so I'm, I definitely gravitate more towards rock and roll and some alternative rock from the 90s and also some current bands. What about you, Merrick? What's been on your playlist lately? So I actually have listened to an album, which is uh, the album that Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks did before they got absorbed into Fleetwood Mac. And it it's really, really, really good. There are some uh, bits and pieces that... Uh, are basically that that I would say would be uh, the primordial point to some of the songs that, well, some of the songs that Lindsey Buckingham did uh, with Fleetwood Mac. Um, and Mick Fleetwood, um, kind of the namesake of Fleetwood Mac, he uh, heard one of the songs on that record it was possibly Crystal because Crystal was also done on the Fleetwood Mac album, which the two were introduced on. 
Um, it's interesting because Stevie Nicks wrote it, Lizzie Buckingham sang it, but it it could have been Crystal, which uh, Mick Fleetwood heard, and he basically said, well, we have to get the duo into Fleetwood Mac. And then Rumors came out, and it's one of the best albums I've ever heard, but it's uh, basically on a pit of acrimony because there were like two major breakups from Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham and Christine McVie and John McVie. So yeah, um, but it, it's a very, very good record. I would recommend Crying in the Night, which was released as a single. Um, Don't Let Me Down Again. And also, of course, Crystal. Um, there's probably the best three songs off of it. And I've also listened to the Eagles debut album, which I really, really like too. Um, I listened to all of the other Eagles albums, but I never listened to the de the debut before. And it's very, very interesting. I mean, Don Henley sings on like two songs. And then, of course, once uh, that debut album got out of the way, um, he was basically the second lead singer of the group. So it, it's very, very interesting. But um, those are the albums that I've been listening to. And also um, from Elvis in Memphis, which is a fantastic record, too. Yeah, that's as usual. You're listening to some some cool stuff. And that was a, a really interesting history on the formation of the Fleetwood Mac. My parents actually recently saw a Fleetwood Mac cover band that I think is is touring through South Florida right now called Rumors. And they said that they they did a very good job. Of course, you can't, you know, be on the same page as the the originals, but they said they they did a really good show. Well, to be honest with you, um, you should really see a tribute band if some of the original members have passed on, like uh, Christine McVie passed away in December of last year. So the only way to basically have a feeling of seeing Fleetwood Mac in their prime is to see a tribute group because even though they could tour and everything like that, with the loss of Christine McVie, it just wouldn't be the same. I mean, I... Uh, saw the who when john entwistle passed away it was actually a few months before and i was kind of not really feeling it as much as if he was alive because he did some great work with that group and of course um i don't even know if i should have seen them if with uh keith moon who i mean keith moon who had passed on years ago um who's one of my favorite drummers i probably i i don't know but uh yeah yeah um tribute groups are great if uh the original singer or the original band has has passed on so it's it's a way yeah. to see them in their prime and i saw a steely dan tribute band at abacoa um which was like uh it was like energetic man or something like that 
but it had nothing to do with a song of theirs, I think. But um, Walter Becker passed away like last year or two years ago. And so uh, he was extremely instrumental on the Steely of the on the Steely Dan sound, but uh, he passed away. And so uh, the closest thing that I can get is to see something like that. But uh, yeah, 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 that's really well said. All right. Uh, all right so we want to wish everyone even though it was days ago we want to wish everyone a happy valentine's day but most of all we long to appreciate our listenership and the foundation who helps support our efforts on the four autism podcast we will be seeing you in march before the 2023 recreating recreation conference on march 23rd and 24th so let's end this like we end this usually I wish that I could fly so high, oh, like a butterfly. I fly into the air so high. Oh, like a butterfly A moth is a butterfly without any colors But what's beautiful is what's inside Maybe a moth is just a butterfly trying to hide Well, I'm just a caterpillar crawling around Knowledge in my head but my feet on the ground Soon I'll be like an angel in the sky Like a butterfly I wish that I could fly so high, oh, like a butterfly. I fly into the air so high, oh, like a butterfly. Like a bird, I was meant to soar. I will fly through the sunlight and even when it pours, it can't stop me when I get a hold of the wind. In the future, your eyes will light up. I was once a poor caterpillar Will grow up and take to the sky Like a flock of butterflies I wish I could fly So high Oh, like a butterfly I'll fly into the air So high Just like a butterfly Oh, I'm a butterfly
I'm a butterfly.